Ah, Coco. Why is the cockpit filling up with weird orange liquid? Is this Tang? Sure, it's Tang. Drink it in, buddy. But I'm allergic to oranges. No! Oh, once your lungs are filled with Tang, you'll feel a flavor explosion to the extreme. Um, can we really do this? Kylezilla was our friend. We have to, Coco. This is the reason Kawaii-Fi exists. But, but Kaido isn't? Coco, launch the Ava. Ava, launch! Tatsuo! It's over 9,000! Kawaii Fi! and welcome to a new episode of Kawaii Fi Radio, the podcast where we look into the world of anime and manga. I'm your host, Coco. Haha. <laughs> And joining me are my co-hosts, Kyle and Kenny. New phone, who dis? Hey, hello. How are you guys doing? Uh, I'd, I'd be substantially better if you hadn't recommended I watch Sarah's Anma. Well, I had to introduce <laughs> you. You had to understand the context. You had but to understand. But did I really? I yes, don't you understand did. the concept. And uh, it you- also gave me this great opportunity for an evil laugh. Yeah, I, I did notice. Um, if for those who aren't aware what we're talking about, Sarah Zanmai is an anime about Kappa that's airing at the moment. Um, Give it a go. Don't. See don't. how you go. So you this is Coco's fault and I may it's never be the same again. This may be advanced level anime. If you are used to <laughs> weirdness, if you have seen stuff like Maria Holic or some other just abstract oddities the, in the, the past. The key phrase I uttered through every episode is I didn't need to see that. Yes, oh, but, yes. but maybe we just need to watch more of it to understand the context and then realise that I, we did I, need I to see I would that. like to point out that the team over at Anime News Network did a recent review on this. Oh, yeah. They're 10 episodes in and they still can't figure out why they're watching it. <laughs> so I think that says well, all you need to, to, to know. To be honest, re-watching episode one did give me a bit more context, well, obviously. I mean, firstly, like, there's the very like, odd musical piece in every episode. Yeah, and they seem to know exactly what they're doing when they're doing that Yeah, it's very uh, almost Sarah's Power Rangers-ish. It's yeah, like yeah. They, Going, they do their poses kind of and, they use and their powers, that being yeah. said, the opening and outro songs are really great, and the animation is oh, really great. Yeah. But the plot, how it's, it's playing stunning. out, just no. The sheer production value of the outro, the yeah. um, oh, it's beautiful. The and photography, ma- the real world photography, meshed with yeah. um, the animated things, very reminiscent mm-hmm. of like a gorilla's music video. And, and what I found really disturbing is they actually put at the end of the episode, this is a work of fiction, a disclaimer for it. I mean, really, was that necessary? Who, who called that into question and what I, did they call into question? Maybe it's the fact that there's actual real-life photography used in it. Yeah, it could but be that. I, I feel like I've been watching an acid trip that someone's so, went and painted. So what these boys are suffering from... <laughs> so we did suffering discuss is a this. fitting word. <laughs> <laughs> we did discuss this in the last episode. There are four boys. They meet a Kappa prince. Um, they call him a frog. He takes umbrage to that. Removes their shurikadama, and now in order to get it back, they have to. Shurikadama is the soul. Yes, now clarify, where is that soul thing located? In the anus. Oh, and and this isn't, oddly enough, the idea of the writer of the series, is it? No, this is a tradition, and you will find ukiyo-e of (sighs) this happening, usually. It's not. I, I, it's not nice. And yeah, it's and, not and you I wonder mean, like, why I was disturbed by yeah, this. Show. I just wanted to see how they'd animate this because, and honestly, there are some very uh, interesting. I think it's quite Graphic. adult. Like, well, you, you mm. can watch it if you like. 
like an old so, older sort of teenager. Be prepared. Uh, yeah, it's watch just, it though. Like there's uh, I'm a lot of say PG thirteen plus, um, <laughs> oh, which hell no. pretty, pretty much M. covers our show. Um, <laughs> I think you're talking an early nineties version of PG plus, yeah. where yeah. they could say yeah. at least one f word. But you guys yeah. need to keep watching to see what secrets come up next. I These don't secrets think I are want to know. <laughs> I will. But you won't know that you don't want to know until you know. I I'll give it a look. Enough. I'll give it a cursory Thank little. You, Kenny. I'll give it the good college try. The good college three episode rule, <laughs> yes. which we said we would never do, but no. in this case, that 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 is no. my limit. I feel well, like it applies. I think it does. You know what? We did need to watch something comfy after subjecting you boys to that, and we watched helpful fox Sinky Sand. And oh, <sighs> you look like you've had a long day. Yeah, I mean, oh. I, I did worry if there was like a temporal loop going on there every time you opened the door. I think she was just like, I want I want to get an answer out of you. Well, I mean, th- this is a series we've put off because we thought it wasn't going to be that interesting. And mm. I sat down the other night and I thought, you know what, let's see what what's going on. Because th- let's be honest, there's... Yeah. There's good anime, there's bad anime, and there's lewd anime, <laughs> and then there's Sarah's anime. Um, but yeah. th- th- this one, I-, I feel, does fit into that good section because it doesn't. Th- there are those tropes that you're used to seeing with, you know, little Lolita girl falls in the lap of main character and Who's causes all, person yeah, causes male. all problems. Um, this is kind of the opposite She's of that. Not a lolly. She's dressed like a priestess, yeah. like a shrine priestess. Well, that's because she's a demigod fox. Yes, who's eight hundred years, years old. old. Have we gone into the synopsis of this episode um, before? No, I, th- I think we did discuss it during the, the lead up to the um, when we were doing the preview for this anime season. Um, but the, the show itself focuses on um, I can't remember the main guy's name, um, which is really bad because I literally watched Nakano. Nakano, yeah. I think so. Um, I, I watched it um, literally again this morning, um, a few more episodes, and it focuses on him. He's overworked. He's not really valued by his job he actually works in coding and just tired and about to collapse yeah. on his last legs um we find out in the second episode he's on average getting four hours of sleep a night um it's, it's literally a commentary once again on japan's overworking culture um and this mm, um fo- Dem- demi fox appears to be indebted to his family mm. um through lineage um and she shows up one day because it looks like he's literally about to you know croak um he's got a black Miasma. A black miasma floating around his background. And um, yeah, she does. She's made him food. He literally doesn't know what's going on when he comes home. She's cooked a lovely meal. She Uh, cleans the uh, house. He steps into his front door to find a magical little fox girl cooking dinner for him, which is nice, admittedly, but there would be questions. And what what I did enjoy is that he actually asks those questions. It's it's not the usual. It's reasonable. Yeah. It's reasonable. It's, it's not the usual, oh, I just accept this. Yeah, it's not a quick, oh, okay, well, this is my life now. Uh, hey, let's get into it. It's, uh, okay, what? And he goes out of his door, comes back in, and pushes her out. That and there then is she <laughs> comes back in through the door. Because yeah. he's worried that, you know, he'll be found with a little girl in his with apartment an and questions girlfriend. will be raised. Yeah, yeah exactly. the police will be called. <laughs> yeah, and then she then assures him that she's 800 years old, in fact. So... Everything's A-OK. She's the cradle snatcher here, if there's a cradle being snatched. Which, which there isn't. It, it seems... Um, it's very platonic, isn't it? It is. It's Quite, not yes. like... It, it's very... I, I don't know. I, like I want to say, comfy, tender, innocent. Yeah, yes. it, it's it's nice, and it's it about the warm. the characters' interactions, and uh, I think in a way it's about him learning to love himself. 
It's how I feel when I watch Terrace House. It's <laughs> yes. It's another kind of low stakes kind of anime, very very comfort driven, and this seems to keep drawing us. I, I was going to say, who would ever thought we'd like that? I remember um, a couple of years ago when we got like a bunch of anime when mm. we bought a bunch from different services. Uh, we flicked on one. It was like demons and magic and yeah. Nazis and all this kind of stuff. I think we turned that well, off in like Nazis? five minutes or so. Yeah, and we just like, we were oh, bored by it. Well, because they were playing the exposition dance for the entire first 10 yeah. minutes of it. And yes, going, five, 10 minutes. This is happening and that is happening, which we will get to as part of this episode, we, actually. We turned that off. Uh, another one we came to was like this buff guy on a motorbike with a hand cannon killing demons. We turned that off. We were just kind of bored by it. And then we found Comfy Camp, uh, Euro Camp. <gasps> yeah. And but before that, it was Tomaco Market. Yes, yeah. we keep getting drawn comfy. in by the comfy ones. And then There's also, um, what was it, Encouragement of Climb, which is basically mm. comfy camp but climbing mountains and instead. Sakura oh. Quest, which was amazing. Uh, Sakura Quest, e even not from a comfort level, just from like a story-driven narrative, it was beautifully well done. I'm like, happy that you convinced sort of, me to give that a chance. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, I'm glad. Mm -hmm. It's so lovely, isn't it? And it you can was. relate to the characters. But on the note of relatable, we're going to talk about characters you usually can't relate to in this <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah. And we will definitely get very in-depth on that when we start talking about Gundams. Oh, oh, I thought you were boy. talking about Godzilla, but we no, did that last We week. did that last <laughs> week. Oh, I can we relate put you to and the robot to fight the Godzilla version of me, and then, you know, I was Again, your father. A Gendo version of... Wait, no. That's not true. That's impossible. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. You know <laughs> what? I can relate to Godzilla. What, you just want to wreck stuff? A lot of the time, yes. <laughs> yeah, usually usually not, not the people I love. Oh, just, that's just that's good. People. Yeah, just other people. Yeah. Um, so this episode, we're looking at one of anime's most unique genres, the giant robot anime, more commonly referred to as Mecha. Mm. Now, alongside the countless series of Gundam, we've seen live action films, animated features, and of course, hundreds of series in this genre over the years. And we'll be taking a deep dive into the history of Mecha anime, its origins, cultural significance, before we look at two examples of the genre's most well-known franchise, Gundam. We'll also be looking at a more unique entry into the series by esteemed animation studio Gynax, but it's not Neon Genesis. Oh. Um, more on that reason later. But for now, let's head to the newsroom. Making headlines. Really? Sort of. Anime news. Black Lagoon's manga ends its hiatus, and season two of Dan Machi is on the books. This is Kawaii Fi Anime News. Upcoming anime film Ride Your Wave has been nominated for the Best Anime Award at the Shanghai International Film Festival. The film is written by Yoshida Raiko, who wrote both Lou Over the Wall and A Silent Voice, and is directed by Yuasana Masaki, who previously directed Night is Short Work on Girl and the Devil Cry Man Crybaby OVA. The story follows surfing college student Hinako, who moves to a coastal town. During a wide-scale fire, she meets a firefighter who also loves to surf called Minato. And it seems season two of Is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon will be heading to our screens a lot sooner than expected. Next month, in fact. The continuation of Belle Crannell's adventures will hit our screens as part of the summer anime season premiering on July 12th, late in the evening. The series film The Arrow of Orion has also hit cinemas in several countries outside of Japan, showing in Southeast Asia, Mexico and Australian cinemas over the past month. It's due to air in the US from the 23rd of July, but there's no confirmed date for the UK and European openings just yet. 
Staying with upcoming anime and the adaptation of boy love manga Given will air in Fuji TV's Noitami Na program block, the first time an adaptation of a boy love genre has done so. The story centres on musician Ritsuka, who plays guitar but has lost interest in playing. Upon meeting Mafuya and hearing him sing, Ritsuka's love for music begins to return. The series is written by Ayana Yuriko, who adapted both seasons of Bang Dream. Also a release date is the occult firefighting anime Fire Force due to premiere on July 5th. The story is set in Tokyo where people are being possessed by demons and bursting into flames. It leads to the establishment of a special firefighting team, the Fire Force, ready to fight spontaneous combustions across the city. Gaming isekai adaptation Maosama Retry has announced a July 3rd premiere date with a light novel series following an office worker who is pulled into an online fantasy game and given the title of Dark Lord. He ends up fighting off both heroes and nations trying to take him down. Staying in the Isekai territory, delayed series Arafureka, from commonplace to world's strongest, will be airing from July 8th, 15 months after the series was originally planned to debut. The anime staff cited various circumstances as the reason for the postponement from the original series release date of April 2018, but no further details have ever been revealed. The series sees a whole class summoned to a fantasy world where they are treated as heroes and asked to save the human race, but Hajime Nagumo receives a weak skill resulting in being bullied and ridiculed by his now godlike classmates. Dark fantasy anime Fairy Gone will be returning to our screens later this year following confirmation the show's second core will premiere in October. The second part of PA Works' original anime will again be simulcast for Western release by Funimation following this season's climactic finale. The Blu-ray release will feature all 24 episodes over 8 discs for their Japanese release, though no details on the international release date have been confirmed yet. Ultra Jump magazine has confirmed the anime adaptation of Amagi K's light novel series Assassin's Pride will premiere in October as part of the autumn anime season. The series is set in a world where only noble families gain magical powers and they then use these to fight monsters. Heading to the bookshelves and mercenary pirate drama Black Lagoon will be resuming publication after multiple hiatuses since 2014. The announcement came from monthly Sunday GX magazine's Twitter account with a statement saying writer Hiroi Ray is resuming the series in September with more surprises planned for the series. And light novel Isekai Arachnid series, So I'm a Spider, So What, is getting a comedy spin-off manga on Katakawa's Young Ace magazine. The novels have been running since 2015, and along with its manga adaptation, the series has sold a combined 1.2 million print copies. An anime adaptation was also confirmed at last year's Anime Expo, but no time frame has been given on the project. And that's your anime news for the week ending June 16, 2019. Yeah, I, I realise I did talk a lot about new animes, but that's pretty much what the news is at the moment. Fair enough. I want to know more about these spontaneous combustions. Yeah. It is a thing. It's got a yeah. Wikipedia entry, so... It's... Yeah, um, no. the, the artwork <laughs> and style for it is very interesting looking. The main character almost looks like he's... A fire starter. A twisted fire starter. <laughs> but uh, Dan Machi season two. Yay. So yes. that, that's happened a lot earlier than we thought. I was expecting they'd probably wait until the um, Western release into cinemas for the, the film. But no, it's it's coming next month. I've been seeing ads for it all over. Mm -hmm. And so. yeah, definitely looking forward to a second mm -hmm. season of it. Yeah. Really and we, we can actually catch Arrow of Orion this week um, in Australia because it's uh, out in cinemas now um, mm -hmm. for us. Um, unfortunately, there's no UK or European release date yet for it, um, which is really unusual. But uh, me and Coco were discussing this and we think we figured out why. Oh. 
the major distributor who looked after the Dan Machi series, uh, Manga UK, just got bought out. Oh, um, which I, I believe it was Funimation. Oh, um, which is you know it's fine because that's you know that helps expand their database and all that. But um, the it means that obviously while they're going through that amalgamation of two companies, that could cause problems with distribution rights and yeah delays. That's a terrible shame. Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure you'll be happy about Fairy Gone getting its second part confirmed. I've only been able to watch like the first half of the mm-hmm. first season, but yeah, I um. I'm quite enjoying the the sheer amount of action and visceralness. Uh, I was of this quite series. impressed. I thought after like the first episode, we'd be playing good old exposition dance for like mm. three episodes, going, "This is the yeah. world, and this is how it happened." It's quite gritty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There I'm, are I'm repetitive elements. I mean, the villain is—I feel like I've seen him before in a bunch of different animes, but I feel like I don't have to worry about that with it. I can sit back, relax, mm. and just enjoy the supernatural horror. Oh, which is always good. And Black Lagoon manga is returning too. I still haven't read the manga, but I love the series. Mm. Except for that weird bit at the end where they always play the depressing music. Yeah, for, for season one's... I mean, for, for some reason, TV database listed as one massive season for all three seasons. And um, oh, really? Roberta's Blood Trail is listed <laughs> as specials. And it's like, you realise yeah. even in Japan, they're listed as season one and season two, not core one and core two. Mm. Yeah. Um, but that, that that's my own little rage at them. But I mean, that's, um, that series has been going on for a very long time. Mm. I remember watching mm. that way back in the South. Yeah, well, back, back in 2014, um, the manga went on hiatus. Um, I can't remember quite the reason why, but it then came back in like 2017 for like, 18 months and then went back on hiatus. Um, the manga writer had health problems, which, t- to be honest, for long-running manga, we see this quite a lot. I mean, mm. the, the team behind um, My Hero Academia, the, the amount of times you see notifications saying that they've pushed back one of the week's episodes by another week because there's been health issues, which I think literally just means that someone got the flu and everyone in the office went down. <laughs> That's probably true. That yeah. It's very contagious. <laughs> <laughs> it is, especially this year. I mean, we yeah. had to delay even our podcast because we were all off yeah, absolutely crook. Indeed. You guys just need to eat more garlic and horseradish. I, I don't want to smell like a sewer. Yeah, so, it's a small you know. price to pay, though. <laughs> but we should move on because today we are talking about my favourite topic, which mm. is giant robots. And it's only my favourite topic because of Neon Genesis, but we'll get to that <laughs> in a minute. Kawaii Fire Radio. Anime history. I love that. Thank you. Just so well done. Well done. <laughs> Very well done. Golf, golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> Anime history. Today we are looking at the mecha genre, which is a very. Japanese-centric genre. We don't see that very much in the West. I mean, we do now, obviously, mm. but, you know, before it's 2000. practically iconic, so much so that they actually have mm. a uh, giant robot uh, monument in Japan, which... They move around. Yes, There's indeed. And then they keep building mm-hmm. bigger ones when they decide they've had enough of the smaller ones. Bigger and shinier moving ones. Yes. Like, not bi- not movie enough to actually walk around and start shooting things, but... I'll give them five years. Uh, <laughs> give them and time. It's not just about giant robots. There's different types of giant robots from what I've seen. And mm. I found a bit of a list. Uh, oh, um, <laughs> oh so as, as, in the, as in sub-genres within the mecha genre. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we'll start with just mecha, which is uh, a robot or biological or magical equivalent that is piloted from within by a cockpit. So it's not a non-piloted sentient robot. It's not 
a remote controlled pilot or a power uh, suit. So mm-hmm. like like the Megazord from Power Rangers or the Gypsy Danger from Pacific Rim, for Yo. example, mm-hmm. which are more sort of well-known yeah. um, examples. But the first mecha in anime was Tetsujin 28. That's a very unusual title. Now, oh, I'll it's... get to that eventually. Then we've got Giant Robots, which oh, yeah. is any giant... Robot. Basically, it's non-piloted sentient bots, just as Tetsujin oh. from Mecha, but like massive. So, so um, that'd be like because Neon Genesis kind of covers quite a few bases on that. Um, what yes. was it? Um, ride alone or standalone? Yeah. Um, um, yeah. The, the the nuclear robot that they had in I think it was episode fourteen. Oh. It was meant to be a replacement for the Evas. Mm. And yeah. it was its own self-piloting thing. Mm. Yeah. 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 Remotely operated. There's also super what a robots. Terrible idea. And these super. are mecha that are basically superheroes. The laws of physics don't really exist. Uh, their <laughs> weapons are usually real outlandish. Um, and usually there's a good chance that the robot's power source is linked to the fighting spirit of the pilot. <laughs> if your robot gets stronger when you shout louder, usually it's a super robot. Oh, robot. and you definitely have to shout the name of your attack in oh, yeah. full oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. In full yeah. caps lock, yes. There's, there's the real robot sort of genre. And in these... Is that sort of like, um, was it Metabots? Like the, the, uh, they have their own um, well, Gundam AI Gundam actually is a decent example of this because... Oh. Um, it's more the case that they are affected by laws of physics. They can break, they run out of mm. fuel, stuff like that. They're mm. an extension of real life technology and are constrained by the same rules. So like, they, they require maintenance, they can break down, uh, they need fuel. Um, so less need for suspension of mm, disbelief. And exactly. ty- typically piloted by people who approach it as a job. And in mm. this, the, an effort is usually made also to show the implications of this giant robot technology on human society. So that's like Knights um, of Cydonia. Yeah, it, yeah. Sh- exactly. it focuses on the human pi- characters piloting it and what they're sort mm. of going through. Actually, um, technically that's Neon Genesis as well, unless it goes to Knights of Cydonia as well. Yeah. There's, there's fusion robots, um, which is... Half organic, half robotic? It, it can feature both real robots and super robots, um, See, or it I can be a mecha that has elements of both a real and super robot, like the Evangelions... Yeah, this stuff gets there's real... There's always going to be some overlap, I take it. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. Um, of course, there's power suits. Yeah, so bubblegum crisis. Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, let, let, let's go back to that the Iron very Man. beginning. Iron Man is... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, let, let's go back to the beginning with... Um, Tetsujin Tetsuo. 28? Yeah. Um, so, so Tetsujin, wh- when was that? That translates to Iron Man. Really? Indeed. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I may oh, yeah, have, uh, unless I've sort of, you know, um, basically that's <laughs> the rough translation. Um, it's number 28. The manga came out in 1956 mm-hmm. and the anime came out in 1963. It's also marketed in the US as Gigantor. Um, oh, I have heard that name. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Tetsujin was inspired by the creator's wartime experience, much like Tezuka had been inspired by his experiences to create Astro Boy. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what, what was the plot synopsis behind it? Okay, so uh, Japan created, during World War II, Japan created these Tetsujin. Hmm. They were and like giant robots. They were going to turn yeah. the tides of the war. But yeah. then the war finished before these things were ever released. Yeah, oh. so number 28 wasn't completely finished. So never re- was used for military service. Uh, given instead to its creator's 10-year-old son. 
Very yeah, irresponsible. Yeah, that's responsible. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> give your 10-year-old a nice giant robot. That's a nice birthday present. Mm. What could go wrong? I mean, he totally isn't going to take it just down the, to the play, play the park and destroy everything. The kid packs heat. He carries a gun. He's a he's a boy detective. So maybe so. Oh, this hurts. So yeah. someone. Um, interesting. <laughs> I'm seeing enough. like six spin-off animes that have come from this idea. So this, this is such. And and you know what else came from the work of the creator? It inspired JoJo's bizarre. Well, adventure. it is. It is incredibly ludicrous. Somehow yeah. this all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun fact about uh, this one though. Um, it wasn't Tetsujin. It was me, Dio, all along. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I've harped on about, um, like how there's almost no originality in Hollywood anymore. That's yeah. like, there is repetition and rehashes and so many remakes, but Tetsujin has had a live action movie in mm. 2005. It had a PlayStation 2 video game uh, just the year prior to that. It's like, wow. this is another one of those sort of beloved properties that people just sort of keep around for as long as they can. Hmm. And I mean, I mean, I, I was actually quite surprised to discover some Neon Genesis video games a few years back. Oh yeah, it's yeah, like it, it's quite surprising how I mean, obviously, mm. especially during PS One and PS Two days, we did not get a lot of the Japanese games uh, internationally. Um, Which is a crying shame. Th- there's a lot of anime adaptations that are turned into games, mm. um, which I was really quite surprised by. I was not expecting to see as many as there were, especially that early on. With Tetsujin 28, remember how his number 28? Yep. What do you think happened to the other 27? Uh, Monster of the Week boss fights? Pretty much. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> they rock up with varying consequences. Um, anyway, so. Uh, is the consequence on the plot? <laughs> Because that, that sounds, as you said, Monster of the Week cookie cutter. No, um, no, though. This is like 1956. Yeah, that's true. We would consider these sort of things cliche, but this is the sort of thing that wrote the, the cliche. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. And while um, Tetsujin was um, a mecha and um, was controlled remotely, oh, okay. uh, Mazinga Z, Zetto in Japanese, was the first to feature a pilot. Uh, so th- this is kind of the the start of the Gundam idea, where you yes. are inside the robot and pretty piloting much, yes. it. Yeah, okay. pretty much. The manga and the anime came out both in 1972. <coughs> Again, and um, inspired by Astro Boy, um, the creator Go Nagai was also inspired by Tetsujin 28. Mm. This was a very very popular show, especially in 1980s Mexico. So what? therefore, <laughs> and. Who do we know that made a very big, massive oh, movie? Oh, Del Toro. Yep. He was very inspired by this. So this is where this. Pacific Rim... Was birthed. Yeah. Wow. From, from watching Mazinga Z. So this is actually a really cool story as well. And it was revolutionary not only that it had, like, the this was the first sort of piloted mecha kind of anime. It also featured the first woman super robot. Aphrodite A was its name. And it As ha- in a robot which had a feminine appearance? Yes. Oh, okay. It had uh, but one attack, and that was to fire rockets from its boobs. <laughs> yeah, that that that, uh, that makes sense. You know. It's, it has Japan. another interesting character who's a right-hand man of the main bad guy who's called Dr. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's yes. part of the Japanese archaeological team. 
That he's the he, only he's German a, part of he's that. He's a German, <laughs> German doctor who works in um, archaeology called Doctor Hell. I think he's so digging for something. They, they I think did, he's digging for the fact that he's the villain. So <laughs> they discovered prototypes of these titans. So Mazinga. Um, uh, is, is this the old robot? So um, they they discovered yeah. these prototypes that was that were made from something called Super Alloy Z. In turn, forged from the element Japanium, <laughs> found only in the sediment of Mount Fuji. Oh, um, so that, hasn't that <laughs> been done in Godzilla at some point as well? I in a bunch of things, I uh, I'm yeah. positive that Code Geass had like something. They too. they all they've got all of this sort of this this recycling idea amongst mm-hmm. amongst some of these creators, you know that like. Mount we'll just Fuji keep going is where it. it's at. Mount <laughs> Fuji has always given a certain gravitas in uh, Japanese mm. culture. It's, I mean, it is, of course, you know, big and iconic mm. of their of the land. It, it's also a big part of the religion as well, even. So, so. no wonder that it would have, you know, feature and appear in a bunch of these kind of mm. things. So okay. basically, Doctor Hell, when he discovers this, <laughs> that, that he is a sentence you didn't see yourself saying today, isn't it, <laughs> Mister President? Why would when you hire a man named Doctor Hell? He's clearly evil. <laughs> he goes a little bit power hungry, goes a bit nuts, decides the research team has to all die, manages to they all kill to. almost all of them. The only person who survives is Professor Kabuto. Who uh, escapes and uh, goes oh, to warn people? Well, well, how, how convenient, Kabuto, yes, with yes. his he- hard shell escapes. Yes, yes. Of course, he turned it into um, a Pokemon reference. So That's he, a reference off the original idea. So, <laughs> Professor Kabuto has seen these, so he constructs Mazinga's Zed. And um, is just it is it a case that there's other Mazingas and Mazinga Z is? I was trying to figure it out. I'm very sorry. I haven't actually watched this. Well, it's a bit hard to track down Reddit. considering how old it is. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I can tell, you know, no. I yeah. found some old clips of it on like uh, old kind of fan pages and stuff, but only ever like 30, 40 seconds each. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, adorable kind of just like very very nostalgic animation from the kind of the golden age of the mecha anime okay and well, i guess that from from there that has then birthed mm. a lot of similar ideas i mean we we know gundam is huge for mm. instance and yes. that was one that basically followed on from this this was that was the next big contender which but also ha- explains why so many gundam series mention gundanium i haven't gotten to dr hell's sidekick Yet. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. Well, I've got more story. <laughs> okay, well, 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 make it, make it snappy. Is, is, is he called Doctor Devil? So no. Uh, so uh, Professor Kabuto constructs Mazinga Z, just finishes it, but a bomb is planted by Doctor Hell's right hand person. Person because Baron Ashura is half man, half woman. Literally split down the middle. One side is man, <laughs> one side is a woman. Look it up. And as he lays dying... Oh, I just had an awful thought about (laughs) how that applies to certain regions of the body. Let's not think about that. I don't... No. (laughs) So um, the grandson uh, of the professor is is told about Mazinga Zed just before the professor dies. And he becomes the pilot. Oh, the professor! So Professor Kabuto clearly did not escape his moosey fate. Not completely, no. No, oh, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. So you know how there are big robots in Japan, mm. like actual big physically built robots. Yeah. Oh yes, yes. There is one that exists of Mazinga Z. Hey. It's not in Japan. Mexico. Spain. 
this is a very yeah. international span. So, no, no one expects the Spanish so, giant robot no, Inquisition. It, it, in the early 80s, developers began work on a planned suburb of Tarragona called Mastel Plata, and a massive statue uh, of Mazinga Z was constructed to guard the entrance of the community, but funding ran out. So the only part of it that's, still, that, that's actually there is Mazinga Z. <laughs> It's As still in, there. They've got the statue. They spent all the money on the statue, but couldn't and build then the community. Went bust. Yeah, he's forty foot. I, tall. I like how their priorities were in order. <laughs> I liked it too. <laughs> all right, so let's move on to um, Gundam because that did kind of follow on immediately afterwards, um, and it has become almost synonymous with Japan's mecha genre. Gundam is one of those series that began. Um, around a similar time. So 1979 was the first Mobile Suit Gundam. It essentially borrowed all those ideas from Mazinga Z and yeah. turned it into it. But we you know, we see those influences in other areas. Like we've got um, Gurren Lagann, which we'll get to later, um, Neon Genesis, Evangelion. We've got um, uh, Code Geass, which is a bit more on the side of, um, I can't remember which one you said it was, but the one where it's focusing more on the pilots than on the actual robots themselves, which is very much the case. Like, they they roll out ah, new, the real robots. Yeah, they they roll they roll out the new robot, but it's not a big deal. It's just it's a new tool. It's exactly. not you know not the core focus of it, and that kind of leads us very nicely to where the Western um, adaptations came in, because we started seeing in the nineties and late eighties. Um, there's a small production company called Full Moon Pictures. Oh, <laughs> this is where you want. <laughs> yes, now Full Moon. Oh. Um, I saw Neon Genesis when I was quite young, and then I saw Gundam Wing um, in the early 2000s. And during that, I remember going very vividly, remember this, going to the video store and seeing on one of the boxes, and this is a good old VHS cassette, um, and seeing Robot Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, a oh, 1991 no. film by Full Moon Features. <sighs> now, Full Moon Features, you probably haven't heard of them because they're... They've changed their names, haven't yeah, they? About nine times. <laughs> I mean, you call them B-grade, I guess. I, I mean, you, you could call them B-grade, but I don't know if that's... I think you need to go down a few letters. Maybe D? We can say R grade F. for a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Um, so it's they created three mecha films that were apparently not connected. But you were very into robot jocks when you were robot younger, jocks. Something was that's it? J O X. Yeah. Yes. Not, um, and it's about uh, so basically uh, the story for that is that they're using giant robots to battle over land. You think, oh, is that big groups? No, it's, it is one-on-one -on -one combat. It's oh, literally yeah. they set up an arena and they battle for Alaska. <laughs> sort of like a Bet competition almost. Yeah, between Russia and America. And of course it was Russia. Of course, because Cold War. Um, I mean, yeah, that's like sort of uh, you know going into America's whole Russia-America thing, which was in every movie back then. Yeah. But it's also trying to really cash in on the popularity of manga, sorry, uh, mecha animes at the but time. But here's the thing. This predates Gundam Wing. No way. The, the, so this really? happened in like the late 80s. So someone, the, the guys there must have been catching pieces of Japanese stuff coming out and going, that's going to be the next big thing. And they jumped the gun. <laughs> and the story is appalling and the acting is appalling. Even the robots are really bad. <laughs> um, it has no redeeming features except that it has a very special place in my heart because it's the first time I've seen Aww. someone in... Uh, from from a Western film, 
go, going and go, yeah, I'm going to make a giant robot with no budget. The I did see this. Um, I did see this at my cousin's place when I was very young as well. So yeah. I, I know intrinsically what you mean. And yeah, it, uh, it took itself very seriously. It did. It did. And the, the, there's two sequels. One, which is apparently not a giant robot film. And you don't see the robot until literally the last minute. And it's just used to kind of blow one of the villains up. And they, the villains are sort of like um, the the... T two thousand Terminator, you know the ones that can impersonate yeah. people and are liquidish. And then they had a third one, which was so poorly written, which was um, like an eight. They had an ancient giant um, robot. Boy, so, these are bad. You guys yeah, should watch like them. The, should really take you, the you time out actually, and watch these. The thing is, is that Full Moon now have a digital storefront. You can buy the films. Digitally, yeah. So you can't buy them like on DVD. Oh, you, you can. can. You can, you can them ask proudly. them. You, you can, can ask can them. Find them. They they still sell like the posters and everything for them as well. Really? It's it's hilarious. It's like are they called Full Moon today? Yes, they okay. they are back to Full Moon features, but they've got so many <laughs> subsidiary companies that are all their all trading names. <laughs> um, but the, we should uh, probably return to Gundam. We should. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Gundam has a bu- lot of popularity and. Mm. Um, as I mentioned before, it was the West's uh, first, basically, introduction to Mecha mm-hmm. as far as uh, Gundam Wing goes. Yeah. And but, I mean, it, it also has this massive following to do with, what would you call it, Gunpla? Gunpla, yes. This is where things get a bit... Um, as in martial arts with guns? No. Oh, I wish. Um, no, that's, that's Gun Carter. That's, yeah, that's gun. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. Gun Fu. Whoa. <laughs> what was that Equilibrium, that yeah. Christian Bale film <laughs> yeah. where they've got that? Uh, yeah. but yes, uh, but, um, pretty cool. Gunpla are figurines, aren't they? Uh, quite. Um, not so much figurines. They are models that are constructed very, very intricately. Uh, they've, of course, been growing in um, not just popularity, in just how complicated they can be. Huh. Um, there are certain lev- there's like varying levels that you can go to. There are very very simple ones. There are stupidly complex ones, and then there is your like super platinum ultra class, which have internal wiring to make them light up and move in certain ways. It's like so. Th- this is similar in scale with how Lego started off with just simple bricks to now the robotic um, options that you can build, which are thousands of parts. Somewhat, somewhat. I looked into the history of like where the first sort of gunplas came from, the first sort of models. And they were complicated in their own right. They were smaller, but still sort of tactile. You had to click things into place. And mm. like they, the industry for this is particularly massive. Mm. Every year, there is a 16-country-wide competition for building the best one for painting like the most and glorious piece. When you piece. say building, you don't just mean like building one out of the box. This is a custom build. Uh, a bunch of them can be. That's called kit bashing. That's where you grab parts from multiple sets, put them together in such a way that they look, you know, uncannily like a, you know, a store-bought kind of a model. Wow. Okay. There is a lot of skill that goes into this, the amount of work. I've um, looked at a friend of mine's collection mm-hmm. and what's the other hobby? Um, Warhammer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, like, 40K. Yes, it's like you've, of course, seen those and how yeah. intricate and mm-hmm. how detailed you have to be with painting those. I oh, bought yeah. a land speeder and I really mussed it up. <laughs> Back did when I was younger, you? oh. I, I I cannot draw or paint to save my life. Maybe you could paint it all over white and start again. <laughs> I have no idea where it's gone. <laughs> well, yeah, there we go. <laughs> for the same level of dedication and oh, finances that go into this sort yeah. of thing, yeah, it's 
practically almost similar in a way, mm. except the passion for Gunpla, I'd actually argue, is greater. Wow. You guys need to educate me on Gundam. Yes, and I'm about to do just that. Wi-Fi Radio. I think I watched that as a kid. Oh yeah, I remember that. Back catalog. And some of you back in 2000 might remember a certain anime called Gundam Wing and it's mobile suit Gundam Wing W something else. Where could you watch it? It was available on Toonami Mm -hmm. um, but it did end up doing the rounds. You'd find it in DVD stores and Mm -hmm. all that where you could rent it. Just like you know how um, we didn't get Ranma one half on TV here but you could get the VHSs and all that. Yeah. 1995 one ran for 49 episodes and was one of the first big Gundam franchises to air in the West Mm -hmm. um, with a full dub and it was quite successful in the West considering the time. In Japan, it was however only moderately successful. Really? Um, One of only two Gundam series in the 90s that managed an average television rating of 4%. I think I might actually have an explanation for that. Mm -hmm. Um, You may or may not be aware, but the Gundam series, well... Pick one. There are mm-hmm. over 30 of them. They are spread across four almost kind of, oh, different time spans. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of different ages, almost, you could say. Uh, there's After War, Future Century, Correct Century, and Reguild Century. There's... Uh, what? <laughs> each one of those has their own sort of, like, different series which are attached to it. There are sort of series and sub-series. It's very complicated, and that is what drew the Western crowd in. It's that... Mm. This had been going on in Japan. Gundam Wing was just sort of like another one. Yeah. But for us... It was the first one. This was the first one which was Mm. featured alongside Dragon Ball Z and a bunch of the other anime which we mentioned before. And that's the thing. It was quite complicated Mm -hmm. in comparison to Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z is like, love it as much as I do. It's... Not complex. It is a superhero fighting supervillains. Mm. See, it's actually been credited with popularizing the Gundam franchise and Mecha with Western audiences. Precisely. And that's so. because, yeah, it was deeper than it looks. So th- th- let's go into the synopsis. So the United Earth Spear Alliance has ruled over Earth and the space colonies with an iron fist for decades. And when the colonies opposed Earth's rule, their leader was assassinated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty pretty dark stuff for him. Uh, colonial rebels launch Operation Meteor. And they send five powerful mobile suits with um, you know back down to the Earth for vengeance. And these Gundams begin an assault against the Alliance and its sub-organization Oz with five main characters. You just had to put. You had to do it. I was just waiting. You just had hiding that thing. So I wanted to know because a lot of what I've heard from you guys sometimes from Gundam is the whole love theme they've got going on. Could you explain that to me? The power of love in one series. Um, what was it? The super robot. How it is powered by fighting spirits. Yep. It was powered by. Passion and the power of love at one stage. Wow. Yeah. That so the appealed. louder they yelled, oh, the yeah. more love they felt in their heart, yeah. Yeah. the more powerful the robot was. Yes, yeah. it's you will get things you, like you this. You could argue that red line, how that ends, that his that car film. is powered by love in oh, that last moment. I say we got to have a oh, we gotta, we've, segment for We've got to do it. We'll, we will come back to red line. It is just one of those seminal anime films that... Just it sets the bar at a whole other level. Of course, it's beautiful. Now we, I watched this as a kid, um, Gundam Wing, and it was my first exposure to the Gundam franchise, like many others. 
Um, the dub and anime have not aged well. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, dubbing... It ain't dandy. Well, I... <laughs> How many of them can this carrier catch up with? Just one. The one headed for Eastern Eurasia. One would do just dandy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> boy. One would do just dandy. Now, I reckon we are going to have a very long conversation on subbing versus dubbing later we, on. Because we will. Yeah, it's it something that be, is not aged. It needs to be talked about. But I, I do need to point out how appalling this dub is. <laughs> and I, I have a few selections from just the first 10 minutes Let's of the first him. episode to show you. Let's wake him up with our machine gun. No. No machine gun for him. Roger that mission. I'll return right now to shoot down the Oz carrier. It transformed into a mobile suit. He's intense, perhaps. It moved. Never mind, just shoot. <laughs> I want that laugh as my ringtone. Uh, one more to go. Judging by the strength of the mobile suit, it could only be made from Gundanium alloy. Gun. So then. That Gun. was a Gundam. Gundamian? <laughs> Gundamian. <laughs> that, Gundamian. By the way, for, for, for the record, the gentleman laughing, that's the main character. He sounds yeah, and looks like okay, a villain. So the main character in the first episode tries to kill himself, right? Yeah. Um. I, I would like to make a point, though. All of those lines are in the first episode. Do, do you think you could use any of those in a normal context? Beautiful. It could come up. I'm going to try and use Dandy. Driving to the shops? All right, hang on. Let, let, let's give it a shot. Uh, let's pretend we're driving to the shops with epic music. So, oh, K Kenny, um, do you see that car in front of us? Yes. It moves. There's just one of them, and one is just Dandy. Oh, I could, <laughs> I, I could definitely go and buy myself a nice cup noodle. No, no <laughs> cup noodle for you. Oh, no. I need to get better at my evil laughs. You do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you can see like the, the way it was written, the way it was scripted, is so cringy. I, just, I believe that's a loss in translation. Yeah, right? Even at say. 13, I could tell it wasn't right. I could. I could. <laughs> Um, you were just like, no, I'll just I'll put yeah, it up because the melodrama the is part of it, though. It's, it is, it is. Yeah. So this folk series focused on five main characters, and it was the first time that they actually had multiple Gundam. Well, not the first; it was the second time, but it was the first time that they decided to make it a consistent segment of um, the show. Um, and the main character, Hero, spelled H double E R O, um, plays the most prominent part. He's a psychopath. Tries scenario. to kill himself multiple I mean. times throughout the series. Not just that first episode, multiple times. So he really needs love. Yeah. The main female interest, Relina Peacecraft, is also a psycho. Um, she has two facial expressions, shocked and premeditated murder. <laughs> um, and the first episode with, ends with Hero joining her school after crash landing on the planet after a battle and threatening to kill her. In front of all of her friends. Because she invited him to her birthday party. Yes. How dare she? <laughs> so I feel like we're being a bit too hard on it for it being the first ep pilot she episode. She invited so. him to her birthday party. And he threatened Kenny. to kill her. L he literally was, that, I will kill he you. He brushes Ryan. away her tears and is like, I will kill you. Well, I, Who it, says that? But you know what? I'm beginning, that to think that, I'm beginning to think that this is mecha pilots in general. I remember yeah. another series where the main character was... A little socially inept, uh, Full Metal Panic. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same voice actor. They oh. sound similar. They look similar. It does make for a very entertaining show, it though, does. doesn't it? I don't remember. Uh, Coco, <laughs> did you end up watching Full Metal Panic with us? I think you've seen like, the first few episodes. Um, we, we will have to cover that in full. That one is like he's 
a, he was a child soldier mm-hmm. back when he was like 12 so all he's known is combat oh, yeah. for his entire life and then I he like, has to go back to school to protect like a young girl I like his character now mm-hmm. this does lead us to the 2015 series Iron-Blooded Orphans now Ooh. Iron-Blooded Orphans is very well respected in the anime community it's got a well developed plot it's got a second season as opposed to a single long run which I, I think isn't very common in the, in the Gundam series and it deals with a number of world problems as its themes much deeper than previous incarnations so it looks at war and child soldiers poverty and slavery political corruption um, and it's a nice change to the usual exposition dance you get in the first few episodes of Gundam I mean granted that's a sort of a theme across all of these things is simply the hopelessness of war that there are good people and bad people on both sides of these conflicts and I think that's been consistent among the Gundam mm-hmm. genre which I but think is its I- main I'm Blooded Orphans apparently is I mean I-, I can only talk from the few episodes I've seen mm. um but it was very... The characters are very well-defined and developed compared to... Well, I mean, if you're comparing anything to Gundam Wing, anything's well-defined. Um, but the synopsis sets the story 300 years after a calamitous war, the great conflict between Earth and its outer space colonies. Sound a bit familiar to Gundam Wing? Oh, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think they might be in that same subgenre. And now Earth is ruled over by four economic blocks and military organisations. Galahorn is responsible for keeping the peace. Mars, on the other hand, depends heavily on Earth's economy. The peace... Millions? What no. the? <laughs> That's a name. It is. That's it is. a name. To um, put this in perspective, I uh, took a look at like what were the top-rated mecha animes of all times. There are there is over a thousand of these oh, yeah. individual animes, individual stories. Um, Iron Blooded Orphans sits above Evangelion and in mm. the top five mecha animes of all wow. time. Wow, that that's a big call but that's probably also to do with it being you know from 2015 so it's more accessible compared to neon genesis you could say Um, which i think will change um in in the the coming months which we'll talk about um towards the end of this episode um but something to note about iron-blooded orphans the series actually received really heavy criticism from the japanese broadcasting ethics and program improvement organization what uh, provoked due to harsh themes and depictions of child soldiers in particular one scene in episode three shows the main character gunning down prisoners and enemy soldiers irrespective of their setting, causing them to issue a warning to the studio saying, if you want to broadcast such material, provide some sort of age limit for viewers. Ouch. Okay, that's fair That is... Consider the stuff that Japan gets on TV without any form of age limit. But... Like, some some stuff bordering of, on pornography. Yeah. That, what about that, all of yeah. I feel, everything? <laughs> I feel like that's to do with cultural values, though. I mean, child soldiers, not okay in any culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but that does... We'll, we'll leave it there because I could talk about Gundam for days mm-hmm. and we already have talked about giant robots for days. Wi-Fi Radio. I think I watched that as a kid. Oh yeah, I remember that. Back catalogue. Yes, a secondary back catalogue this week, and Tengen Topa Gurren Lagan is our topic. It literally translates as Pierce the Heavens Gurren Lagan, and it ran for 27 episodes in 2007. I want to say this is one of my favourite animes it, of all it time. It really is. Um, produced by Gainax um, after they had done Neon Genesis, obviously, a decade prior. Um, it spawned manga, side stories, video games. It's pretty much one of the most well-received and critically acclaimed mecha from 2000 to 2010. Yeah, it was one of the funny facts I found out about it is that it was a manga after it was an anime. Yep, which has been the case for a lot. Um, uh, is It Wrong to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon was a light novel, then an anime, then a manga. Oh. Um, which really frustrated me when I found that out because I actually um, got 
you know, all the way to the end of the manga and realise it was nowhere near where the series finished. Oh. Yeah. Um, Gurren Lagann has seen critical acclaim since its release. It received the Excellence Prize at the 2007 Japan Media Arts Festival. Director Hirokoyi Imayashi received an individual award for personal best at the 12th Animation Kobe Festival, same year, for the work on the series. And it pays homage to Ishikawa's Get a Robo, which um, was an older series which actually focuses on the robots just continually getting bigger over the course of the show. Just constant escalation. Which is yes. what happens with um, Gurren Lagann. It starts off with a tiny human-sized robot and ends up with all, a, a very big robot. I won't explain that because that's a spoiler. Um, but Saying of which, we should probably go into the synopsis. Then. Yes, we should. So um, while working to excavate and expand the village, Simone... I mean, it's Simon, but it's Simone. Simone. Um, stumbles upon a mysterious object that turns out to be the ignition key to an ancient mini-robot. It sort of looks like a drill. Mm-hmm. Um, and drills are a main theme in this. The duo dubs the Mecha Lagan and have to use their new weapon when a talking giant robot falls through the ceiling of their village, which everyone believed the surface did not exist. Yes, this takes place in a distant future where mm-hmm. beastmen ruled by the uh, spiral king, Lord Genome, have forced the humans into these primitive underground dwellings. And yeah, these um Simone and his big brother, this assertive, Kamehameha. bold, manly commoner, mm-hmm. uh, they seek to find out if the surface is a real world for freedom and adventure. His friend Kamehameha is a loose cannon bent on making a name for himself. God, I love Kamehameha. <laughs> Manliest um, man that ever manned. See, the, there was actually a bit of um, controversy in Australia, actually, when the trailer for this was released, because it wasn't a normal trailer, and it has since been deleted and taken down, what? and it's very hard to find it. But I have it, because I loved it, and this is it. Warning, this announcement is for serious fans of anime only. Have you noticed something lacking in your anime collection lately? Are over-endowed swordsmen with really big swords starting to leave you limp? Just plain sick of anime filled with cute animals that you have to collect? Or ready to bite your own ass off in frustration waiting for the next big thing? If you're feeling the otaku nonbiter sinking down to your bones, if you're a fan who thinks you'll see something new when pigs fly, put on your safety belts because pigs have flown! Bye-bye, cute animals! The studio that turned anime on its head with Neon Genesis Evangelion and the creators of Fooly Cooly have united to create the panacea for the next generation of anime entertainment. Get your full daily dose of girls with guns, robots, explosions, plus a whole lot of bleep that's too crazy to describe, and a generous dose of that famous Gynax bounce. A boy becomes a man, a man becomes intimidated, and a woman becomes... So you can see why that might not have gone down too well. (laughs) Are you kidding? That's one of the best things I loved it. I thought it was great considering the state of it. Um, But on the note of Kamina, he's an amazing character. Um, I mean, Simone is the main character, but Kamina as a sort of a folly to him is great. And it's no more demonstrated than the way he cheers Simone on like this. You dumbass. Kick logic out and do the impossible. I know you can do it, buddy. But I don't. Listen, Simone, don't believe in yourself. Huh? Believe in me. Believe in the Kamina who believes in you. I love that line. It's just so dark. That's and pretty good. So indicative of the whole series. Kick logic out and do the impossible. <laughs> and that is literally what happens. Mm. Um, this goes into the whole super genre, super robot genre where 
one's fighting spirit and one's personal beliefs play into like what your giant robot can do. Mm. Now, I mean, th- let's be honest, the solution for everything in Gurren Lagann is get a bigger drill. Precisely. <laughs> um, but the series, it's just so well balanced. Like you, even just the first eight episodes alone, you get several overarching stories which culminate in a big event before leading on to two more major story arcs. Mm. And it's not done in a rushed way, despite the short time frame. Like, there's good character development. You learn about the characters, you feel attached to them, and you actually care about, you know, what they want to achieve now that they've escaped their hole in the ground. And it's, it's literally the, the difference between uh, sitting there and just knowing your local suburb and exploring the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, mm. it's literally trying to show you the difference that is to a person's world perspective. It's amazing. And considering the uh, studio where this came out of, the people who made Evangelion and Fooly Cooly, which was a massive style shift. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, it's... They knew they were onto something when they were making this. This was mm-hmm. always going to be just one of those big things that lasted for decades. It will. And uh, I'm definitely going to go and return to watching it just after this episode. I, I, think. I think I might have to as well. <laughs> uh, it is available on most streaming services. Um, if you haven't seen Gurren Lagann, really check it out. It this is, is one of those must-sees. It, it is. Like, I mean, you might not like giant robots, but that's only just part of the story. Yeah, it's more about it's the people. It's not a massive part of the story. <laughs> yeah. uh, kind of is later in the series around the end, but um, <laughs> we won't go into that because massive spoilers massive massive spoilers massive 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 galactic size spoilers <laughs> Wi-Fi radio And that's another episode of Wi-Fi radio done and dusted but next week you need to stay tuned because yeah. not next week next fortnight next episode I'm watching you Yes, we haven't mentioned Neon Genesis in full for the last two episodes for a very good reason. Well, we've mentioned it, but... Well, not in full. We haven't mm. gone into the history or the talk about it. And that's and because next episode is a special episode. We have the anime season in review, mm. and Neon Genesis has landed on Netflix worldwide. Woo-hoo! It's the first time it's ever been available on a streaming platform, and mm. this is an opportunity to see something that is just seminal phenomenal. yeah it it, it's absolutely th- this amazing. is something that literally redefined anime for yeah. both Jap- japanese audiences and world audiences to show you that a story can be told in an incredibly unique and wonderful way yeah and it's very and it's a classic it is it's it's hands down one of my favorites of all time and i know many people will say that but there's a reason for that and you mightn't be in a giant robot, but it's worth having yeah, all the hyping it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> there's a um, reason to hype it up. And the fourth film should be coming out next year, I believe, um, mm-hmm. of the reboot series. Um, there is some. Um, it's just unkillable. It's it like, is. It's it's like it's One Piece. The f- film reboot one and two, so Evangelion 1.01 and 2.02, follow the main storyline fairly faithfully. Number three goes you know, balls to the wall and just goes absolutely off the chart with a completely different story. So you get so many different experiences from it. Um, Either way, we'll be back uh, next Sunday week. Same wacky time, same wacky channel. And uh, between now and then, enjoy yourself and watch some anime. Goodbye. See ya.